Welcome to the Skip It podcast, where we relive episodes of the 1960s TV series Skippy, the story of an unnaturally intelligent bush kangaroo and her best friend, Sonny. I'm Ashwin, and joining me on this dive into a simpler, bushier time are Lee and John. Hello to you both. Hello. Hello. So today we're talking about episode five. It's named Cage of Koalas. It was written by Dennis Burrows and directed by Eric Price. A little bit of weather trivia to start the episode off. This episode was filmed in torrential rain, and the cast were often covered in rain jackets, little plastic bags that seem to have cut out for themselves. So despite those challenges, they made an interesting episode, and we'll see what you guys think of it in just a minute. The episode starts with Sunny under a rock, staring into space. <laughs> with Skippy. With Skippy. They're both with staring Skippy. into space. Yeah. Which is with stereotypical Sunny behavior. And then Skippy runs away, which is also something she does quite often. And then we see the fittest looking mailman ever drop off the mountain. I'm not sure if you guys have seen. He looked like he belonged in some like fireman calendar. Um, beautiful mailman. I I didn't notice him that much, but he he was you know he wasn't a he wasn't a slouch. No, no, he definitely runs every day. Um, so then Skippy puts the letter in her pouch. Now, if you're a regular watcher of the series, you'll know that there's nothing Skippy won't put in her pouch. Um, she has no respect for the fact that it's going to be a womb one day, uh, and she doesn't care this time. She and- sticks the letter in her pouch. And can I take back my dead kangaroo hands again? Because there were definitely dead kangaroo hands picking up that letter. I did want to ask that, what you guys thought of that, that kangaroo hand. Those yeah. definitely looked like stiff kangaroo hands. But before yeah. she puts it in her pouch, let's not forget that she opens the mailbox and looks like she's reading the mail to see who it's for. <laughs> it is a very clear shot. <laughs> Look, I'm not surprised at all. At all. No, that <laughs> doesn't surprise me. That's, just that's pretty standard. I also didn't get that shot before she gets to the mailbox. There's a shot of Skippy looking oddly frozen in the distance. Like, is she waiting for Sunny? Do you remember? Like, there's so she runs off to the to get the mail. Sunny's calling after her. Then they cut to this shot of Skippy with her back to the camera, facing away from the mailbox, just looking. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. Contemplating, but it it. Go like this is another thing I wanted to bring out that happens another time in this episode. Lovey, they just leave Sonny uh, behind all the time. Like it's sort of, he's, he's really like slow, and they don't care. Yeah, they left him behind with poachers last time. Anyway, so um, yeah, it, she yeah, and then she runs towards Matt and Sonny. And it turns out that it was a letter for Matt. So I just thought I'd ask you guys. Maybe Lee, we'll start with you. What did you think this letter was going to be about? Well, I knew whatever it was. I thought Bills originally because the way that Matt was fairly frustrated that the mail was three three days old. Like if you remember, <laughs> there's that whole back and forth about, well, Skip, we've got to stop you from collecting the mail. And then well, when Matt looks at the mail, he says, yes, we do need to stop I, Skippy getting I the mail. I think we need to catch up people yeah. here because what happens is he gets the mail out of her pouch, but then he finds, like he keeps on pulling letters out. Like yeah. yes. one after another. And obviously Skippy's been hoarding these letters because she likes collecting them. Maybe yeah. she thinks it's her mail. I don't know. <laughs> well, but, it's um, a federal, it is a federal crime. <laughs> she should be putting her in jail. Um, mm. Yeah, so she's been hoarding the mail in her pouch, which is just, uh, you know, not too surprising, but, you know, naughty Skippy. 
That shot of Skippy standing in front of Matt while he was about to go into her pouch was also you, a very weird shot. You, I don't know. Are if you she talking was... about the one where it's like the back of Skippy? Yes. Yeah, yes. that one looked you... like a dead kangaroo, maybe. No, no it looked like it was panting. So if oh. it wasn't a dead kangaroo, it was a dying kangaroo. I think that was one of those experimental camera angles that they probably realised later <laughs> didn't work out, but it was too no. late. <laughs> it looked a bit weird. Very yes. weird moment. So, okay, so they find these letters, and then they find out that um, Matt opens the letter and finds out that, quotation marks, the department has contacted them. <laughs> and this department is never specified. It could have been the Department of Sports, Department of Finance. We never hear about it. It's almost a rally in, in its I, I don't think they had a Department of Environment back then, maybe. No. Like, it was just it was just the Department of Mining. Yes. And it was like, you know, uh, yeah. one so, general department. Yeah, they covered everything. Them. And they find out that a Dr. Steiner is coming to save. I believe you find it's pronounced Dr. Steiner. Now, you were rightly, but we don't find this. This was an issue I wanted to tap into a bit earlier on. Maybe I'll come back to this. Um, But yeah, it is Dr. Steiner. And it just seems like we're entering a different kind of Australia because there's a moment midway through the episode where I think it was Mark, the oldest son, says, oh, Steiner, that's a weird name. And I was like, oh, my God, imagine if he'd met an Indian guy or a Chinese person. How weird is Steiner? It his seems friends, pretty normal to me. He's friends with a, a kangaroo called Skippy. You know, that's, come on. Yeah. Like, that's well, not actually, even really a name. Okay, so we find this letter. So we know that Dr. Steiner from the department <laughs> is going to be coming. And shortly afterwards, then we see that Skippy gets hit by a car. Oh, which happens so often in this series. <laughs> This is the worst thing because Skippy is constantly on the road and yes. in yeah. danger of getting hit, which I know is like, you know, it is pretty much every kangaroo's, like, issue with modern society. But, like, it is ridiculous. And then she actually gets hit this time. I can't be- I couldn't believe that. I could. After last episode, I was only <laughs> no, 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 maybe not, maybe not. But you don't really see anything. You just hear donk and that's it sort of thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, can I just also note that, so after we find out that Steiner is coming to stay and Matt's a bit annoyed that it's you know three days old he should have known by now yeah yeah and he would have protested probably probably but we skipped the credits again there was no credit scene oh what the hell well they didn't have time they didn't have time maybe yeah so after the no credit scene you're right then we we cut as soon as I saw a shot Skippy on the road and then they cut to a car coming you knew I thought no surely not and yeah hit by the car and another dodgy shot of the kangaroo it looked like beneath the car. Yeah. Before she gets up and hops off. Yeah, yeah. And she runs away like hurt. And Sonny's calling after her. And obviously, mm. she's not coming back. He, he thinks that he sees Skippy, and there's a pretty big wombat. I forget how big wombats are. They are not small, cute, cuddly creatures. They are big. No. Mm. And that was yeah. a weird moment. It was like Skippy goes into the bush, the wombat comes out almost like that TV show where, like, you walk in in normal clothes and then you come out looking like Elton John. <laughs> so you thought it was Skippy in disguise. Yeah, Skippy it. just switched into a, morphed into a wombat. It actually yeah. doesn't surprise me because at that point, if you're a kangaroo, you're thinking, are we targets for cars? Like, maybe I should be disguised as a wombat. Maybe they have better luck. Exactly. I think, I think it was maybe just a red herring for us it, yes. to get his hopes up. Uh, yes. about Skippy, but he, yes. he basically runs off and then the doctor drives off. Yeah, and we don't know she's the doctor yet. Well, Sonny doesn't at Oh, the yeah, moment. sorry, yeah. She's yeah. just a woman that's... It's just a woman driving. Best friend, yeah. Um, and then we get back to the house, and this is that scene I mentioned earlier where Mark says, oh, Steiner's a funny name, 
And I can't imagine, let's just have a cultural discussion about funniness maybe in that time. <laughs> do you think, do you think was, this, was this more English time? Was this a more English period? Yeah, than I, I think, yeah, Anglo-Saxon names, I guess, like um, anything English derived, I guess. And also probably the... still a bit raw. It'd been two decades since the end of World War Two, so the Nazis <laughs> yeah, been yeah. by. Yeah. Maybe there was a little bit of stigma there. Yeah. And to put that in context, twenty-two year, the war ended probably 22 years before this episode, which mm. is almost like the Sydney Olympics is to us. Probably didn't mm. feel that long ago. No. Mm. Well, no, the, no. Original, the original scene was actually what Mark said was, Steiner, that's a funny name. It sounds like a Nazi name. And they cut <laughs> that and changed what? it to <laughs> German. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, she arrives, but she causes a ruckus. I'll just give you a little bit of background. So this episode's villain, her real name is Elke Heidhardt. Yeah, now let me tell you about it. She was born in Germany in 1941, so authentic German they used, and she moved to Melbourne after marrying an Australian. And after her last film role in 1977, she would have been about 36 then, she became an accomplished theatre director and spent 13 years with Opera Australia. And while being a theatre director, she had a reputation for clashing with the conductor she worked with. She was known for being very blunt, and once described Australian culture as massively behind and criticised the prudishness of theatre authorities about nudity. So she had the feistiness that was perfect for this role. Yes, yes. No, she was fiery and ready to go. That's interesting yeah. as well, Ashwin, because you, pr- you probably already saw this as well, that later on in 2011, she became a member of the Order of Australia in the Australia Day Honours for her services to the performing arts as, like you said, an opera director, producer, um, and also she tutored and mentored a lot of like young uh, new artists. So it's mm-hmm. interesting that after she said that, we acknowledged her so favourably. Yes, yeah. She went on to quite an illustrious arts career. So let's take her back into the episode. So she, this woman who's hit a kangaroo, hit a skeppy, we don't know who she is, but then she turns up at the premises, at the headquarters, and she parks on the helipad, which is a mistake we've all made. But <laughs> who hasn't? They, yeah, who hasn't? And, and, and it's as Terry is trying to land the helicopter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> This, and immediately picked, paints her as a fish out of water mm-hmm. in this environment. Well, and it turns out she's a zoologist from Munich. So what was your take on this arrival? Well, um, Mark, can they come out and they start chuckling? And then Mark says, like, to add to your earlier thing about, like, funny or different people, he's like, tourists. Yeah. And then, like, they yeah. were, like, all laughing. And she... The chopper well, blew all her papers there. away. Yeah, she's sort of acting like an idiot anyway. But she... All the papers blow away out of her car because she opens her car and she's about to get out, but then she moves her car to get out of the way of the helicopter. What about the comment that Mark makes when the papers are blowing everywhere? Just to add insult to injury, his comment is, look at those papers fly. I know. (laughs) I'm loving the fact that she's (laughs) just getting... Like, they're really being dicks. Um, See, that, though, speaking of German, that's schadenfreude. Yes, taking joy in. (laughs) Yes. And then... uh, she actually approaches Matt quite aggressively. Mm. I'm just like, is she going to punch him? And she says, are you the head ranger? I'm Dr. Steiner. And I find that was another way to position her as kind of an aggressive, villainous character. Yeah. yeah. Yep, yep, yep. That was when we hear her accent and we hear Mark go like, see, told you, German. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. And then, so then she, she turns up, well, a, a lab turns up in a caravan, yep. which is eerily reminiscent of Breaking Bad. And I'm wondering... <laughs> What type of science were you expecting to happen at this point? Uh, yeah, well, it's all very questionable what she's actually doing. Um, I think, is it, 
interested in the mating habits of koalas. Is yeah. was that what he? There was a, a a a sentence said about why she was actually studying koalas, and because they have an argument about caging them, like when she arrives, because she was gonna she's unloading all these cages from the the back of the caravan too. So um, yeah. Well, before that, yeah. we should also acknowledge that she dropped some pretty pivotal information to Matt, which is that she says the reason she's late is because she had an accident, and that's, oh, that's she yeah. She catches about. about yeah. Yeah. So that now Matt and Mark know Skippy's been in an accident and Sonny's out looking, and that's yeah. when he yeah, that's when he notices the cages and gives a very stern, very oh. strict. There's no cages allowed here. This is not okay. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, can I just ask you on that point, Lester Lee? Whose side were you on? Like, do you think Matt didn't sufficiently respect the scientific process, or were you on Dr. Steiner's side? I mean, you have to be on Matt's side because yeah. you've got to care about the animals. But I think there was part of me that was also, I mean, I get it. Like, for her to try to study animals as a scientist while they're running around wild, like she says they need to be controlled. She says that a, a, quite a few times, and she really makes Matt look like an idiot or a backwards Australian, as it sounds like with her <laughs> real life. There was no script here. She was just ad living. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, definitely you're, you're meant to be on the side of the, the wildlife here. Ashwin, are you saying that you're on Dr. Steiner's side? Oh, I was just really convinced by her scientific argument. I was like, look, if you want to understand chlamydia, you can't have one <laughs> kangaroo, one koala behaving differently to another. You really need them doing the same thing. So I, was like, yep. I get where she's coming from. Fair enough. But it is mean. Definitely is mean. Well, you could make an enclosure to have them in. You know, you can't, it doesn't have to be tiny, like, two-by-two-foot cages, cages yeah. I guess. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, uh, she was trying to study, but I was a bit, like, questioning her the way she was doing it, especially later on. And so then we, we cut to Sonny, and he still can't find Skippy. Mm. And he's run. I mean, normally in a hit and run, the perpetrator runs off. But in this case, <laughs> the victim has run off. And Matt, Matt turns up, and Sonny says, look, I can't find Skippy, which is a serious issue in this show, as always. Mm. And back at home base, we see that Dr. Steiner has been caging the animals against <laughs> Matt's wishes. She was and, really and quick. She was really quick. And we find out she's been tranquilizing koalas. So... How did your perception, Jono, change of her when you saw that? Well, I was like, wow, because there must be just like koalas dropping from the trees there. Because that, that, like, she had almost all of them full. Because Mark is helping her too there. Yeah, he's filling up and, water for her. And, he, and he's there, like, just sort of looking at her doing it all and sort of very upset. Or like at least like going oh um oh, he questions about the tranquil he thinks it's a gun but she says it's a tranquilizer gun and so uh, yeah so she's going out tranquilizing she must have like got like four or five of them in the like that period when Matt and everybody went out to find them and then yeah well, there's no doubt about who's in charge either because I think he says you shouldn't be doing that but he he doesn't say I don't like that you've done that his response is Dad won't like that. Oh no, no, he he does not. Yeah, everyone's still scared of the department. Okay, yeah, give him a warning. Yeah, well, after he saw Matt throwing an axe at (laughs) two people last week, oh boy, that's a severe warning when Dad is not happy. (laughs) And and so then Matt returns, 
and he threatens to uncage the animals, but he doesn't do it immediately. I thought that was interesting. Like, what did you guys take of the fact that he didn't just undo the cages, that he just he walked off? He might have been listening to her because that was when she again claimed, look, they need to be in controlled conditions. But then I think there was a point, you're right, he didn't uncage them, but he promises that if she cages animals, he will eventually uncage them, but not yet. It was almost like a threat, and- like, oh, I'll do it. And and um, Sunny is really really cranky uh, at her when Matt and Sunny come back. Yeah, and they haven't found Skippy, and so yeah, he's really angry and he confronts her. And Matt's like, "Oh, watch out!" <laughs> you know, yeah, like honey, not to be trifled with. <laughs> yeah, don't, don't, just watch out. You think I'm bad? Um, Wait till you see my son. Yeah, yes. yeah, I like that. And because we always wonder how to handle conflict. And Sonny just marches straight up there oh. and goes, you hit Skippy, just straight into the accusation, mm-hmm. which is quite a good way to handle conflict. But I thought it was interesting that they, they after that, there's, there's a conversation, I thought, between a kookaburra and Skippy when he's returned to the headquarters. Do you remember there was like a kookaburra mm. in the tree and they cut to Skippy and it's almost like they're having a conversation. It didn't lead anywhere. Oh, that's right. Because, yeah, this is after... Um... They've sort of had their little argument about the koalas. Yeah, well, Skippy has come back. Yeah, just this is just before Skippy lets out the koalas. And now I'm thinking yes, we're leaving. Yeah, so we're getting up to that. Yeah. Yeah, maybe the, the, the kookaburra sort of gave him a little bit of inside info with their high vantage point. Yeah, that so that it was just before that scene. So a kookaburra, it cuts to a kookaburra, and it's sort of really bad. Because the kookaburra is clearly not singing, no. but they have it singing over the top. And then they, it starts singing, or at least like making a twitchy sound, but it doesn't suit the, the over-the-top kookaburra no. um, noise. But at least it's a kookaburra noise. Yeah. 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 <laughs> like it's not a, it's not it's not a, a squealing thing. pig or something like that. <laughs> no. no, I think the sound person, the Foley artist in this episode, <laughs> did a much more realistic job than the hand <laughs> creation artist. They probably uh, went out and actually hopefully recorded some sounds in the bush then. Yeah, I hope so. Um, it's okay. So Skippy lets these koalas out. I just want to ask you oh, guys, yeah. uh, what do you think about the method? Like at least um, she hasn't been electrocuting koalas' backsides like the last villain. No, it's a lot. Uh, yeah, no, it's a lot less um, savage. But then it's sort of one of those things where I hope she catches them as they're falling out of the tree though because she's got to have to tranquilize them up in the tree yeah. so that's the other thing like you don't they don't really show that she didn't yeah, have the net though dropped. so she would have to catch them like a footy player but, like in but as we see later those tranquilizers that's some good shit yeah, that's, <laughs> that is an interesting twist of the show and what i notice is so skippy you know returns notices the cage koalas she lets them out and then she runs off to make it look like Matt did it, which is great one trolling. <laughs> she frames him. <laughs> and well, also, you know, because no one's going to believe, no one's going to think that the kangaroo's done it. But she did it quite um, quickly and aptly. She just pulled out all those little uh, things, and they all the koalas just ran off into the bush. And yeah. one just like went up a very thin tree, like yeah. twenty to two feet. Like from where yeah. it started, as you said, John, he was on so many drugs that he didn't know where he was. He was yeah, he's like, This, is a, yeah. this tree's so big, yeah. <laughs> like a twig. yeah he comes several kilometers away from her now, for sure. Uh, yeah. um, and then, Doc, this is where the conflict escalates because Dr. Steiner now confronts Matt and says, She'll keep caging the animals, and she says, You'll get tired of this before me in a very Bond villain voice. Mm, and I want, mm. I want to ask you, have you noticed that the villains we've seen so far 
all have foreign accents in the same series, like never Kiwis, but they're always British or German. Uh, I don't know, did, did that come up for you guys? A little bit. There is sort of a prejudice there, I think. So Dr. Strider goes back into the bush to shoot more koalas, and Sonny is hiding Skippy at this point, saying the doctor might shoot her, which is quite a traumatic thing to hear mm. as well uh, in Sonny's life, in Skippy's life. And then we hear a gunshot. And really, when I watched this, I thought, oh, has someone else shot Dr. Steiner? What was your impression of when she got shot? Oh, Please. that did, yeah, gone. Okay, because um, she, she starts that where she's, like, aiming it, and the koalas sort of uh, crawl off. And I had a feeling like the animals were all helping each other and like, you know, warning the koalas to get out of the way because there was a few times where she was trying to shoot the koalas and they crawled out of the way. Yeah. Um, and she did like, and she was like climbing. She climbed, got into a waterfall and just started climbing up it as well. Um, well nothing and- was going to stop her from getting that koala. No, I know. But it's sort of like koalas generally go where there's lots of trees, you know, not on cliff edges. And waterfalls, but she goes up that all the rocks, and then yeah, she's climbing over rocks. She's got the gun. It looked like it was pointed at her head. Yes, she and was I was it sort of, reverse. I was imagining. Way. I was thinking like, yeah, when you're climbing up a rock, have the rifle barrel pointed at your face, <laughs> and use it as a way to climb up. Um, and so like she. A like a walking stick. And so she shoots herself and I was sort of imagining like the cutaway shot of her and she'd have this like dart in her forehead. Like, you know, like, <laughs> sort of, but no, she's been darted in the chest and she's been tranquilized in the chest. She shot herself in the chest with a tranquilizer. So dumb. Oh, yeah. And the other thing was she had a yeah. compass the whole time. We remember that story, Ashwin, when she was traveling, that because that's important. And the, the compass, she's reading the compass and she's like, oh, massive cliff face. Compass says go that way. Mm, have to go that way. Like yeah. that's her reaction. And it's just like, no, maybe just traverse it and not go up that way. Yeah, um, is that she's the scientist. Yeah, she's the <laughs> scientist reading a a a, a, a compass that's telling her to go a certain way but there's a massive obstacle in her way you would think she would go hmm maybe i won't go that way yeah and i'm gonna come back to that just before i get to that like she after getting tranquilized she decides to go rock climbing which is the least sensible sport to do (laughs) after being tranquilized like what what sport would you guys do if you'd just taken a tranquil dart to the shoulder you could play one sport what would you do I would have gone back down to that pool and gone for a nice swim, like yeah. just totally letting those uh, horse tranquilizer or whatever she's got yeah. going on there Bit sink in and enjoy myself. And then, like, the guys would find her later, just like, uh Well, they might find her later drowned if she goes to the <laughs> Maybe, water. maybe. It's, but no, no, it's not the best idea to do anything, really. Definitely not so. on a cliff edge. Well, I'm interested to get your opinion on this then. So once she's been tranquilized, she pulls it out of her shoulder. She keeps going. Then she sees it looked like a snake. Yeah. Something was in the trees. She wasn't bothered by it. And then when she looks at a compass, it seems to be spinning erratically. And do you think she was seeing those things? Was she hallucinating? I think I felt that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. And later on, it sort of starts to get into that because she... Oh, later on. Yeah. She Yeah. But she's like, yeah, like the compass. But then she climbs higher after the compass goes all funny and then she's just totally starts tripping out and getting dizzy and then like looking up in the trees and spinning and then laughing like do you think think they were clever enough to say as she was climbing higher it was a metaphor because for her getting getting higher higher. Mm -hmm. yeah Mm -hmm. yeah and so and she 
gets so high she just got, starts walking along a precarious cliff edge. Yes. She does. So she really introduces that sense of danger. And um, and she realizes it while she's doing it and then still keeps walking. Like there's a moment mm. where she's like, oh, oh, keep on going. Like yeah. she doesn't. From I think actor. she's become comfortable with her own death by this point. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think but so. Also, maybe as an actor, because again, she's walking very close to the edge of that rock cliff, and there was—I don't think there would be any safety there. She, mm. They just said to the actor, "It was probably a real reaction." Walk. Yeah, you just walk as closely. But she was laughing like a lunatic at that mm-hmm. point, so you got to wonder mm. whether she was actually hysterical with fear. Yeah, well, what, what people don't know is that we actually had eight skippies, but three blonde Germans. <laughs> the of this um, okay, so then we go back to the house now. Now, Mark confirms that the doc hasn't come back yet, mm. but Mark says she has a compass, and Matt says, <laughs> the day I see a woman read a compass correctly, I'll marry her. Shots fired. Um, Shots fired. Yeah. So he's basically uh, totally disregarding any woman reading a compass ever, and then I'm thinking Sonny's and Mark's mum must have been able to read a compass because he married, he married her. Well, we assume he married her. We have to assume because it's the 1960s. Yeah. He, he had two kids. She, she, maybe she was too smart for him or something. And then she's obviously died, reincarnated as Skippy. But so um, you're that's why that Skippy the... can come back from, like, Dr. Stark's farm, from Texas. Wherever you put but, Skippy, she'll find her way home. But, Getting back to this, I'm really hoping we'll at some point see Skippy reading a compass. Yes. In the future. We don't see it this episode, but uh, that's my theory anyway. Well, now I want to see the flashback of the first date where Matt says to this woman <laughs> that he's met, I'll meet you at a certain location, which is at three degrees north. And he's uh, uh, you can see, find is, me there. I think only meets women at Orienteering Club. Like, let's repeat that. <laughs> That's the line. Let me tell you the line again. Yeah. The day I see a woman read a compass correctly, I'll marry her. Oh, oh, it still hurts. He led into that line too, because at first when Mark says she's got a compass, Matt's reaction is like, oh, then there's no chance. There's no chance for her. <laughs> That's when he's like, the day that I, yeah. So, <laughs> Mark smiles at that comment as well. (laughs) Good one, Dad. Like, smiles really, really broadly. And they go out to look for her, basically. But it's pretty funny, that whole scene. Okay, so as you say, they all go out looking for Dr. Steiner. And meanwhile, Skippy has found her. Yeah. Um, This is the weird cut. When she finds Dr. Steiner, she hops over. And then there's an insert shot of her paws reaching for Dr. Steiner's... uh, top buttons, I, like she's going to unbutton them, but then it cuts I thought, away. I thought she was going to give uh, Dr. Steiner CPR, like um, seriously, because yeah. <laughs> it was like she was trying to roll her on her back and, you know, get her head in a pos- right position. I was, That's what it looked like, because she rolls her over so her arms are sort of on her side. Yeah. Or Matt's wife was previously a serial date rapist. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> about seen, that. Seen a drug Look, we know victim. That- we know that no one has any boundaries about Skippy's uh, pouch. So, you know, yeah. you know, Skippy probably just doesn't have any, you know, uh, inhibitions about like it. But in CPR instructions, 
Does three human compressions equal three kangaroo tiny pool compressions? <laughs> not not when the kangaroo's bouncing on top. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> one jump. One jump one is equal to it. one human compression. Yeah. So hopefully Skippy's done her conversions right. I'm pretty sure she's... I, I have a feeling Skippy would have CPR down pat. And then, okay, so then the, the guys are looking for her. Skippy's found her. They don't immediately, you know, find Skippy. But Sonny resorts to his tried-old trick. He puts the gum leaf in his mouth to hail Skippy, which is increasingly emerging as a type of bat signal in terms of yeah. bringing the hero to bear. And I quite like that. It's, it's no, it's thing. cool. So then Skippy nicks the doctor's compass and heads toward the sound. And Sonny finds Skippy with the doctor's compass, which I would have taken as a sign that Skippy has mugged the doctor. <laughs> but they take it as a sign that she wants to rescue her. So they ask Skippy, which way? And she bounds off. And the doctor we see at this point is lurching closer and closer to the edge yeah. of the cliff. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and they save her just in time. What was your thoughts on the, the rescue mission? I thought it was funny how she was edging towards the cliff because she was edging head first, which isn't the and normal way. Down. And upside, upside down head first, which isn't the normal way you would fall. I would imagine on your side rolling maybe. And she was looked like she was probably doing it with the, the heels of her feet. You know, like, so I didn't yeah. know, like, she was, like, slowly edging herself Like over. she wanted to kill herself. What was that movie where Nicolas Cage goes to a hotel room and tries to drink himself to death? Fear and loathing. This, maybe this was an episode. Maybe this doctor had just come to the bush to die and the kids had been involved in this elaborate suicide attempt. Um, I don't know. Is there any validity to this theory? Well, she does shoot herself and, and she totally learns her lesson at the end of this because they find her passed out and it they um Matt picks her up and it cuts there. I think there's yeah. one point where, where Matt carries her down alone. Like none of the guys assist him. Was there a taboo mm. about helping your dad carry a uh, unconscious woman? He was obviously manly enough to do it himself, maybe. Um, I'm sure if one of the kids had tried to help, he would have been like, get off me, son. What do you think? I'm some weak woman? Yeah. <laughs> Just really making him that can't read mis- compasses? <laughs> Just making him such a misogynist now. He's well, he what, that was a really misogynist thing to it's say. It's a very quite. chauvinistic line. No, I wonder if that, if he, you know, you come to regret certain things you say in public later on when <laughs> society changes around you. I wonder if he looked back at that line and said, oh, that wasn't my favourite moment. I mean, compared uh, to the James Bond movies where he's slapping well, women and... Yeah, compared to a lot of things, saying a woman can't read a compass is probably the least offensive things you could probably uh, say now. It's still, yeah. still a battle now for and equality, I'm, let I'm alone... Just... Talking about coming on strong, I'm getting back to the dinner. She, they, she cooks them lobster. That was a massive lobster. Yeah, it's huge. huge. I have a feeling there's oysters around it too, maybe. Yeah. I don't know. Was there a coals nearby? She tranked no, it. She tranked it in the ocean. Like, <laughs> that's what she's not telling them. She's Because she's, yeah. they're like, a, like, later on, they'll go, where did you get the lobster? Oh, I just caught it down. In this, it's a national park. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But she did. She did a complete 180 because oh. they'd saved her life. She was very friendly, happy, oh. laughing, smiling. You know, Matt's not going to be coming. And then all of a sudden, Matt does oh. turn up. Matt does turn up and then he says look i'm sorry i'm late but some friends have turned up and they've organized a petition about the cages (laughs) and we look out and there's a koala a cockatoo and skippy standing around like the final scene of the lion king where they're getting ready to (laughs) worship simba's child all the animals of the forest are gathered 
waiting for this moment. It's a beautiful yes. moment. What did you think about this lovely harmony moment? See, the way that you said that there, the, I've got some friends outside who have got a petition about cages. <laughs> that to me is, that's a gangster talk. They well, are out you there threatening you know to I say, was thinking it's like, you're outnumbered. Skippy's unionised the bush. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, like, because there was emus there too and a wombat, I think. Yeah. Maybe. Although that was the perfect opportunity. If she did want to tranquilize animals, she could have got them all in one <laughs> shot. Thanks to Skippy. Got a machine but, gun tranquilizer. But this is what we're yeah. getting back to is the lesson here is that now she doesn't have to catch the animals with cages. She just has to wait for them to, uh, I Present guess, themselves. knock on her door and say, all right, ready for study. So we're at the end of the episode now. Is there anything I, you want to comment about? I, this I don't think so. Because it was a very, like, nothing happened episode. And then it felt like it all happened over, like, the period of 20 minutes too. <laughs> like the. There's not a lot of time in 22 minutes to tell a, a really no. vast story. So maybe they thought, okay, we'll simplify the story, they but we're trying to... to increase the intensity. But it's just, it's hard to, to write these simple stories yes. well. How many gum leaves out of five are you giving it, John? I did think about this and I wrote it down. I am going to give it two and a half. I feel like this is the average, my average benchmark, um, halfway there. Okay. Ashwin? Ooh, Okay. I'm going to push it just to three because I feel two and a half is, is medium for me, but I just... Mm-hmm. It's a bit more interesting than two and a half for me, but not okay. great. Not a wonderful episode. Yeah. I mean, my thinking is two and a half as well, just because mm-hmm. it felt slow to me. It was still fun, but just after the, on the back of last episode, mm. it didn't yeah. escalate. And I, I think that the bar had been set mm-hmm. high. And so I was just, it made me wonder again about the order of filming. This is the sort of thing that makes me think if these were recorded earlier, that a producer would say, we need some more action. And it led up to the mm. complete torture of animals in that last episode we watched because they were like really worried about pushing the excitement levels higher. So I don't know. This this is conjecture. I guess the other ways they've gone, we went so balls to the wall last episode. Let's just take it down a notch for the next one. I think it's still hit a kangaroo. Right so, yeah, they still, they still hit a kangaroo. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we we heard at the start also that there was a lot of rain interference in this episode. So I wonder if they had to cut any dramatic uh, scenes. Yeah, mm. I think I they must have. That, I couldn't tell that. No, it looked all rain. pretty dry to me. Yeah, yeah. Well, maybe that was the, they were the non-rainy days or the mm. non-rainy moments. I wonder if they had to cut anything out because of weather. Yeah, but, yeah. So that's it for this episode of the Skip It podcast. Johnny, what's our episode for next week? Okay, so we've uh, gone on to episode six, uh, The Liar Bird. Quick synopsis, very small. Sonny makes a new friend, Lisa, who is a ballerina. Together they find an aged biologist and bring about his rescue. Something about him. Has a a human friend. (laughs) Yes, finally. I wonder if there'll be a catfight between Skippy and the girl. Like, there's a bit of jealousy there. Well, Ashwin, you were saying a few episodes before about, like, Sonny needing a human his own age to interact with. So now yes. we finally, he finally can interact with another human child. Interesting, because the only interaction I remember, normally he yells at humans when they've done something <laughs> wrong. It's yeah. interesting to see his first opening line with him. Yeah, yeah. I'm very, yeah, very keen to see what's happening. All right, let's check that out next week. Johnny and Lee, thanks for your time today. See you, Ashwin. See you, Johnny. See Bye, guys. Skip, 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 skip,